you know, when we're looking for new hires, you know, we're looking for the right people that fit the culture, that want to work hard, that have the same core values. And, you know, Matthew says, you know, any of these jobs that we do here at Next, you can train the people to do it. You know, we, we have the people on staff, we can train you to do, to have these skills and to do this, but it's really hard to just train somebody just to be a good person and, you know, to fit our culture and, and, you know, and fit, fit the core values that we have. So I think that, you know, it's kind of like we make it harder on ourselves for the recruiting, but we do it for the right reasons. Like we do it for the long-term vision. Welcome to Making Sparks, the podcast where we ignite your passion for metal fabrication and fuel your business success. Join industry leaders and dive deep into the world of metalworking. From business insights to tips of the trade, Making Sparks is your forge of knowledge. During each episode, discover success stories, innovative solutions, and expert interviews that light the path to business growth. Subscribe today and grow and improve your company and let's make sparks fly together. Welcome back to the Making Sparks podcast. This is episode number two, and today I'm with my host, Matthew Nix, and he brought on our first two guests. So, Matthew, I'm going to let you go ahead and kind of introduce who our first two guests are. All right, yep. We're digging deep today. Uh, when you're last minute, you reach out to people that you know will come through for you. And so we've got uh, my wife, Lindsay Nix, and our director of HR, Angela Curlett. We're talking about a really hot topic today. Uh, not only in the fabrication industry, but really everywhere. But it's it's particularly a very hot topic in our industry. That is uh, recruiting and, and hiring talent, uh, retaining, of course, but I think particularly um, recruiting talent today that we're going to be talking about. So I think it'll be really cool because they can kind of give us both ends of the spectrum here. Lindsay can talk about the early days, which I think is really relevant to a lot of our listeners as far as you know small uh, businesses, whether it be family or not, that Lindsay and I did all the hiring in the early days, and uh, she can kind of talk about what it was like uh, when it was the Wild West and we didn't have the processes and systems and things we've learned along the way. Angela can talk a little bit more, more about what it's like uh, nowadays, although still plenty of challenges, uh, although she hired 40 people the first year she was with us, so I don't know what the big deal is. It seems to me like she's got it down. <laughs> so she can talk a little bit about that. But before we get into that, I think you have a dad joke for us. Yeah, so... Matthew's already heard this dad joke, believe it or not. May have been off air, I don't know. Maybe uh, the cameras, maybe you forgot to hit record. Maybe I forgot <laughs> to hit record. But I always like to tell people I take, I always tell dad jokes when we're doing like video interviews or or whatever to get people laugh and get them more comfortable. And a lot of times I'll use those screen grabs actually for recruiting. Actually, a lot of times they'll use those when someone's laughing. It looks very genuine, you know. Um but this is my favorite one. I can't take credit for it. Actually, a plastics uh, um, operations manager at the plastics company told it to me, and it was really good. It was actually during a recording some footage for a recruitment video, uh, and it was all right. You guys ready for this? All right, okay. Go. All right. What is? Oh no, I already messed up. <laughs> well, at least you got them laughing. I know. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Did you know that ten plus ten and eleven plus eleven are the same? What's ten plus ten? Twenty. What's eleven plus eleven? 22. 20 as well. <laughs> I got to say the 20 as well that time. All right, so you so you're going to have to you're going to have to come in stronger next next episode with another dad joke, yep. you know. So Yeah, my idea is that our listeners should just submit their best dad joke so then I don't have to do any work. I like it. That's a great way to engage the audience. Exactly. We can do the whole uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thing. That's exactly, exactly. All right. Uh, so now I'm going to turn my broadcast voice on, but I'm actually going to let Matthew 
kick it off and and kind of start this actual episode. Yeah, so I think we'll just start with Lindsay. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what it looked like in the old days and um, starting out, and then we can kind of jump forward and Andrew can touch a little bit on uh, maybe maybe jump into Iron Forty people your first year, and then we can sort of fill in the gaps of all the things that 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 you got to learn along the way and some of the creative things we're doing today, some of the mistakes we've made. I think that'll be really important uh, to share with our audience. So yeah. Absolutely. So um, when I first came into the business, I, of course, had no HR experience. My experience was in accounting and a little bit of marketing. Um, But we had filled our first big contract and needed folks to come in and um, weld and fabricate for us. And at that point, we had, I think, put like an um, ad in the newspaper. We put one on the radio, which are two of which are things that we do not do anymore. Um, and we would basically hire anyone with a pulse if they could get to work. And I say show up on time, but I don't even think they showed up on time or stayed till the end of their shift or any anything like that. Um, we were hiring anything with a pulse and. Thankfully, there came a time where we decided that that wasn't going to work for us long term um, and made lots of changes in our, our HR process. But um, at the time, we were doing whatever it took to survive and get the contract done and get it into our, our customers' hands and um, had lots of funny stories about those folks that we can laugh about now. They didn't seem so funny at the time. But um, I think we learned a lot through that process that um, your business is only as good as the people that are in it. Um, and that taught us some really valuable lessons that we have taken with us um, as we brought on real HR professionals. Um, I say, you know, say real as in I wasn't a real CFO. I wasn't a real HR professional, but um, we faked it until we could convince wonderful people like Angela to join our team. Um, and we really started making it more people focused Um more marketing efforts, everything's um, focused on uh, the work environment, how this is a great place to work. We really leveraged being a family business and it being a family atmosphere. We leveraged our mission, our vision, our core values. And, you know, I think we can talk more about, you know, how we do those things um, through recruitment, but I'll let Angela add her tidbits about how she (laughs) helped us come into the new age. Hey, Nick, thanks for sending me that shop tour video that you just did. That was great. Yeah, you know, I got the idea from one of my customers, and they told me that when they have a prospect visit their shop for a tour, they have an over 90% close rate. Well, you know, with all of these supply chain problems, people are setting up new vendors all the time. Why not send them one of those videos instead? Yeah, it was great. The ThomasNet team helped me. They sent somebody to my facility and they were able to kind of capture a shop tour without it being in person. So you can check that out on my ThomasNet profile, Advanced Machine and Engineering or Hennig. We actually had two of them done. That's great. And I talked to ThomasNet about this and they said that they can send a camera with short notice anywhere in the U.S. and Canada. And when you go to ThomasNet, you can engage with a half a million suppliers, 78,000 categories of products, and every month they have 1.5 million buyers searching out suppliers. And videos are a great way for people to find out about your facility. Yeah, and it's really easy to sign up. You just go to the website, thomasnet.com, and a few clicks and you'll be right there. So go to business.thomasnet.com slash programs, and that'll take you directly to sign up for one of their videos. That's business.thomasnet.com slash programs. 
Before we get to Angela, I want to point out something that Lindsay said there. I think it's a great segue to Angela, but she talked about bringing on talent and professionals like Angela. And I think that there's a pivot, pivotal moment that happened there. It's important to point out that we, if we hadn't done that, folks like Angela would have never joined the team. Yeah. And that we had to really draw a line in the sand one day and say, we are going to have uh, standards about bringing on quality people, and we're going to really focus on that. And we're going to be willing to take one step back to, to hopefully take two steps forward. And I say that because I see so many folks in our industry and otherwise that just don't have the courage or, or maybe haven't been uh, encouraged enough. Uh, so hopefully if you're listening to take that step, because, you know, when you it all we talk about this all the time, the turnover always happens at the most inopportune time. And the hard decision you have to make is at the most inopportune time. And you're focused on getting the work out the door and you're focused on, you know, hitting the deadline or, or whatever it is. And you you become a slave to that vicious cycle. And if you don't break that cycle, and, and we have to think long term and, and get out of that. And so if you're wanting to reinvent your culture and, and the quality of your staff, I would say you got to start with breaking that cycle of being a slave to the next job and the next deadline and say, we're, we're going to have to think long term. And we were intentional about that because we we did that. Now we're able to attract talent like Angela that can help us. And it's a positive flywheel instead of a negative flywheel. And I always say great people attract great people and, you know, bad eggs attract more bad eggs. Yeah. So kind of just real quick to spin off of what you said, I feel like a lot of times, you know, when you look at our hiring process and what we do, it's like, People can look at us and say, man, you kind of almost make it hard on yourselves because you don't, we don't just take, you know, anybody, you know, with a pulse or anybody off the street because, you know, prior to me, they worked so hard to build, build this culture. And that's the one thing we're so focused on is keeping that culture. So, um, I, I honestly always tell, you know, some of our new hires and, and even people during the hiring process, I say, Matthew will say it all the time. And I say it too. It's like, you know, when we're looking for new hires, you know, we're looking for the right people that fit the culture, that want to work hard, that have the same core values. And, you know, Matthew always says, you know, any of these jobs that we do here at Next, you can train the people to do it. You know, we, we have the people on staff, we can train you to do, to have these skills and to do this, but it's really hard to just train somebody just to be a good person and, you know, to fit our culture and, and, you know, and fit, fit the core values that we have. So I think that, you know, it's kind of like we make it harder on ourselves for the recruiting, but we do it for the right reasons. Like we do it for the long-term vision. So I just kind of wanted to spin off that. Um, as far as when I came in, had had to hire the first, you know, 40 in the first year, it was tough. I mean, I have never come from this industry. Um, sure, I, I know what welding, I knew what welding was. Um, I knew what obviously what painting was, but other than that, I didn't know the terms. So I could tell you lots of, of funny stories, especially during phone screens when I would get asked some questions and just kind of had to make it up a little bit along as I go. But I think what was so valuable, and I learned this um, in my previous role, is one of the first things I wanted to do when I started is I wanted to get on the shop floor. I wanted to get right next to our team members and because that's the quickest way I'm going to learn. If I can stand right next to them, um, nobody let me weld though. I don't know why that <laughs> happened, but to the same, they still won't let me let me weld. Um, I think just so I catch our hair on fire, something I know. Um, but that was the only way I was going to learn. You know, I, I needed to learn what, you know, what our team members were about, I needed to learn the culture, but you know, more importantly for me, I needed to learn what they do, um, you know, and, and learn that terminology. So that was, I think, um, what was so great is they were so welcoming to that. Like they thought that was pretty cool too, you know, to have, you know, this, this new hire, especially, you know, 
even being a female in a you know predominantly male industry, it's like just having somebody come out there wanting to put on their steel toes and go go to work right next to them. That that did everything. That really launched it um, to really help me get a better understanding of what I was looking for, especially on the skills side of things, um, but also just learn more about our culture. So I think that um, is what really helped that first year. Hey everyone, my name is Adam Schmidt with the ProFab Alliance, and this is another spark of knowledge. If your goals for an interview are to find out if somebody is a good welder, you can't do that from a conference room or an office. You know, they need to get out in the shop. But if your goal for an in-person interview is to find out, you know, are they going to be a cultural fit for our organization? Do they share the same values and beliefs? I highly suggest that you really sit down and come up with questions that really will drive answers back that you can judge upon whether they're gonna be a good fit for your organization. Honestly, one of my favorite authors, his name's Patrick Lencioni, has just a expanded selection of great books. And the book that, that I wanna talk about today is called The Ideal Team Player. And it really changed the way that we think about our, our team members and how we interview. So. The ideal team player breaks it down from into three sections, humble, hungry, and smart, and in kind of a Venn diagram type. And if a person is the ideal team player, they they fall right into the center of that. I guarantee it'll change the way you think about interviewing and bring value back to the hires and, and your organization as a whole. Well, well, this isn't a recruiting thing so much as of retention. And it's just so important. I want to hit on it. You just sparked a thought here, but you talked about being a female in a, in a predominantly male industry. Two things. One, we've had a lot of success lately with hiring ladies on the shop floor. And I want you to talk about that a little bit when we bounce back off of this other aspect. Because uh, I think that's something um, for others to think more about and, and for our industry to really embrace. But on the, the uh, retention side of things, I think the, the fact some people might think, well, you know, you're a female in our industry and you're recruiting, like how, how are you able to relate to these guys and, you know, to recruit the right guys. And I would just say from a retention standpoint, because small businesses, typically your head of HR does recruiting and compliance and retention. And, you know, you manage a lot of different hats just like you do. Uh, so it's not just recruiting people. It's making sure that they're happy and that they have what they need and, and, you know, all the compliance issues. So in terms of, retention and fulfillment and all that i think the maternalistic uh in uh instincts or whatever of, of, a, of a woman and sorry for being some traditional here but this is reality like women have that more and i think that has been a really great asset for our company people will go to these two ladies and tell them both negative things that they wouldn't share with other people but also they're the first people to know that that somebody's wife is pregnant. Just big news like that. And that speaks to when you want to build a family environment, a family culture, when they have someone like that that they feel comfortable opening up to if they're having marital problems or their spouse is sick or their kid's sick or or they do have some great news to share. I just think it's that's a really important aspect uh, of building a great family culture or for any kind of new culture. So I wanted to point that out. That was a little sidebar. So going back to recruiting, uh, we, we maybe just dive right into the, the success we've got lately with females. We can bounce around here because that's something you just maybe think of. Yeah, sure. And I don't, I don't really know, I, you know, kind of looking at it, thinking of, you know, what one thing, you know, that's really yeah. been a success for us. You know, we, we, 
kind of had our first one was an in- intern. Um, she was um, high school senior at going to the tech center and headed our way second semester. And uh, she's amazing. The guys just, they, they, you know, they've embraced her. You know, they were, ki- I'm not going to lie. They were kind of nervous at first, you know, kind of nervous to have um, a female, you know, they're, you know, wondering if they were still going to have as much fun. It was still going to be, a, you know, as much banter, but they do. And, and, you know, and they've welcomed her. She fits right in. Um, she is a really big advocate for us. And a lot of the guys will tell you too, she's, you know, almost one of the best welders because, you know, I don't know if it's that female, you know, that, that female brain, but her attention to detail is just spot on. So from that, um, you know, we hired uh, another female at Structural Fab. She does um, welding there as well. We've got a project manager and estimator at um, at North End at our machine shop in Fairfield, Ohio. And then we also just had another intern uh, who's done a phenomenal job. She's just getting ready to be a senior in high school that we were just talking about her this morning that we we can't wait to have her back. So we're going to stay in connection she with them. So well. yeah, she was on the shop floor as well. The so process. Uh, yeah, it's just we've had great luck. Well, it's been a happy accident, but I think the reason why they've been open to join in our organization, if, if you know they're thinking about entering the trades, we built this this culture and this environment that's more inviting to women. And one of the things I said is, you know. Men are going to look at that as, you know, they're, they're going to look at the whole equation and, and compensation is one of them and how far is the drive and what's the work environment like. The culture is a piece of it, sure. but I think it's lower on the list. We're trying to find people that value that higher on the list. But I think women in the workplace where they're, you know, it's going to be intimidating and they're in a male dominant job setting, I think they're going to place that higher. And and we're big on professionalism and, and those those aspects. And so- I think that makes that that moves the needle from us to our competitors substantially more uh, with invited women in. So I just think that's an opportunity for us and maybe some of our listeners that we're all trying to think outside the box on on how to grow our our skilled workforce and um, what are some other things we're doing thinking outside the box. Jason, sometimes I feel like I have zero trust in you. Well, Nick, in a relationship, sometimes that's a good place to start. But all joking aside, what we're talking about today is zero trust security, which let me define that for you. Zero trust security means that no one is trusted by default from inside or outside the network and verification is required from everyone trying to gain access to resources on the network, which is becoming very important in the manufacturing environment. Yeah, these OT assets are usually very susceptible to attack. So Nick, what is OT? OT is operational technology. So you'll find PLCs in every shop. You'll find HMIs on the touchscreens, on your controls, on your machines. These are what's susceptible. Okay, well, you know, OT assets are very susceptible to attack. I've heard of shops going down, a lot of damage being made to shops out there. Uh, there's often no security built into those assets, poor visibility and unencrypted traffic. Yeah, Palo Alto Network's industrial OT security is the solution that security teams need to provide effective visibility into these OT assets. That's right. Palo Alto Network's industrial OT security provides the most comprehensive zero trust security across all OT environments. It's developed specifically for industrial and manufacturing operations, and it features comprehensive visibility, zero-trust security, and simplified operations. That's right. Protect your OT assets, networks, and remote operations with zero-trust OT security. Where can they learn more? To learn more, find the link in the description or visit paloaltonetworks.com. That's paloaltonetworks.com. 
I was going to say yeah. something she mentioned or Angela mentioned, and I think it may have started with you, Lindsay, before Angela came on, may not. Um, and and obviously the point of making sparks is to educate and inspire, you know, other mom and pop shops that are maybe wanting to take that next step. They're going to be looking to hire outside, maybe their first family members and things like that. Um, well, there's, I actually have two parts to this question. The first one is, what was it like when you guys first started? And maybe Matthew has to answer this a little bit outside of the family. When what what can a company expect when they're like, okay, it's time to hire someone that's not a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, a father? What I mean, what what's that like? Yeah, I mean, I think we all maybe took a little bit for granted, like what a workday looked like or what was expected because. We've all been in the business and work, been working in the business and, you know, you just show up and you do your job and then you go home. There wasn't, you know, any expectations about, um, you know, what it was like to work here. Um, we all just came to work and went home and there wasn't any of that touchy-feely, you know, kind of stuff. And I, I think after some time went on, we really started to discern about like what our mission was as a business. And, you know, a lot of, you know, mom and pop shops have maybe never thought about what their mission might be or what their vision might be for the future for their business. And as we really started to discern what that was going to be like, and it was to, you know, create this world-class team, um, we, you know, started to dive into like what our core values are going to be and involving our team members and picking those core values. It wasn't something that Matthew and I and the the, te- the leadership team at the, the time sat in a room and said, okay, it's going to be fun and it's going to be teamwork and it's going to be integrity and caring for people and um, growth and improvement. You know, it wasn't us, you know, we had this survey and we spent money on these things that I think at the time, Maybe some more traditional fab shops that have been like, I can't believe you're wasting money on this kind of stuff, on this touchy-feely stuff that in this not touchy-feely manufacturing environment doesn't matter. Um, But we planted all of those seeds for all of those years. Everyone looks at us now and says, oh my gosh, you do such a great job with hiring people and bringing people in and bringing them into the fold. But what they don't see was the 10 years of grinding and um, intentionality of doing those things. And, you know, Matthew talks about it at the beginning of every meeting. We talk about it every Tuesday at our all hands meeting. We talk about core values. We talk about our mission. We talk about our vision to the point where some people probably think we maybe talk about it too much. We, we of course don't. Um, But it was laying that groundwork so that, now we have people coming to us and saying, I want to work for you. Like, I want to work at Nick's. Where can I fit into to the equation? Um, so it's it, it might seem like this huge undertaking to start doing those things, but it's really important to put in the legwork to do those things and really find out, like, what's important to you and your family and your shop so that you can portray that vision to your employees so they can see the vision and they're going to get on the bus and they're going to, you know, ride off into the sunset with you. So, you know, I think that has been what has made all of this successful. Yeah. That was a key equation before we hired Angela and folks like her. Yeah. Uh, Quick shameless plug here. I mean, that's precisely what ProFab Alliance helps. It's one of the things ProFab Alliance helps do. It was one of the inspirations behind starting ProFab Alliance was to help other fabricators and and uh, machine shop owners to to do the things that Lindsay just mentioned because I I'm so inspired to do that because at, along that journey there were so many times I doubted myself 
And I know people were looking at us and kind of rolling their eyes at us and the touchy feely stuff and all of that. And, and it, there were moments where I felt guilty, like I was investing too much time and energy into that aspect of our business. But every time something would come along and I would be so thankful that I did. And then the next thing would come along and I was so thankful that I did. And, and along that journey of investing in vision, mission, core values, strategic planning, and all those things that have allowed us to recruit and retain today, um, those things validated that. And so we want to do that for, for other people and hopefully through this podcast and the, and the services that, that Profile Wise uh, offers. Yeah. And I think, you know, you always heard in high school and maybe in college, like, don't dress for the job you have, dress for the job you want. Like, that's what we were doing. We weren't dressing for the company we were had. We were dressing for the company we want to have in the future. And, um, you know, I just think I cannot stress how important that groundwork is um, to 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 get where you want to be. Yeah. So you're saying, like, just make sure that if you're Maybe even if you've already hired your first few people. Yeah, to start, it's never ahead, too late. Yeah, yeah to start thinking about the core values, start thinking about the yeah. culture. It doesn't have to be all cute. Everybody yeah. thinks, you know, like, like, just get a dang piece of paper out and start writing down where you want to go, you know, what matters to you. Just, you don't overcomplicate it. I mean, our first one was on one piece of laptop. You can use a laptop if you want. I'll use a yellow legal pad. You can use a laptop, whatever. For your phone? Just... Just do something, and it has to be authentic and be real. Be able to sit across the table from somebody and look them in the eye and say, this is where we're going. This is what we're about. This is what matters to us. Do you want to be a part of that or don't you? I think it's more than two, even then just writing it down. And, you know, because so many places, and I hear this from even, you know, new hires, like 90 days in, right? So they, you know, not only, you know, sticking up on the wall, like we're not, we're not just going to write it down, see them on the wall, say, okay, this is what we're going to do, and we carry on about our business. Yeah. There's so many that say, man, you you really meant that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you really meant that. So just, you know, putting in even small little ways that you can implement that and continue to commu- communicate, you know, what that vision is and the mission is and, and the core values, just, it just can't be something you just hang on the wall and, and forget about. We call that operationalizing right. our, yeah. our mission yeah. and values. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, how, what are the ways you take that and you, integrated into the day-to-day aspects of the yeah. business yeah and that's something that you know just here within the past i don't know six months or so that even our operations managers are really taken to heart and you know even in their their morning you know toolbox meetings just a quick little me- you know meeting that they have with their with their staff or their team in the morning um just reviewing a core value or you know reviewing you know what, what the mission means to to them just just little it takes little to no effort to do that and that's something that has um, seems like it's been you know, pretty beneficial, and, and our team members like it. Yeah, these are your stereotypical rough and tough guys <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. are embracing this right. now, and that, that tells you something. Yeah, they're, they're starting to look up and go, yeah. all right, okay, this this is working. This is important, and so they want to drive it. And uh, we went a little bit of a tangent here talking more about vision and eyes, which is great. I think it's, <laughs> yeah. it's important. It yeah. almost sets the stage for the actual recruiting. So- uh, I don't know what you think. I mean, it's almost like we need to do a second second part here yeah. and really, because I don't think, I mean, we've just scratched the surface of the actual practical and tactical things, which yeah. that's the one thing, you know, and, and, and just uh, for those of you that are just, uh, you know, listening to the podcast for the first time, something I want the audience to know is we're trying to make a nice blend here between 
you know, philosophy and strategy and practical and tactical. So I want to make sure we hit both sides of the spectrum. So we're talking right now kind of philosophy and strategy, but I want to make sure we talk real practical, tactical things. And so maybe uh, next episode, we can get into some of the things that they've done to really, mm-hmm. really take this and give it legs. Yep, sure. That's, absolutely. That's what I was going to mention. Like, you know, we weren't really sure where the conversation was going to go, but um, I think the biggest thing that you can take from Nick's company is, is the philosophical parts, but then how do you actually, you know, make those actionable items? What are the tactics that you use? Like one of the things yeah. you I know, bet the best strategy in the world doesn't matter if you, if you don't have a way to execute. Exactly. Hey, Jason Zanger here. You should know more about AMT, the Association for Manufacturing Technology. They are the industry representative group that gives us IMTS and more including bridging the gap between IT and manufacturing at their Silicon Valley AMT Tech Lab, expanding globally through their AMT tech centers in China, India, and Mexico, along with representation in Europe and Brazil. Custom research for strategic planning and member meetups that bring manufacturing leaders together. To join the AMT community, reach out to Chrissy Hahn at AMT at ch. A-H-N at amtonline.org or discover more at amtonline.org. And one of the things like, you know, Angela mentioned earlier was internships. Like, I think that's something that we should talk about in the next episode. And there's some, obviously there's lots of other things you can do from a branding standpoint um, because people think of uh, recruiting, they don't think about branding and and all that. So, um, but I do think uh, what people can take away from this episode, this conversation was definitely, um, you know, don't be afraid to write down, you know, what you value in an employee and and don't be afraid to go get those employees. Don't be afraid to uh, hire and fire from your core values and things like that. So uh, in the next episode, we're going to kind of talk about um, the actual action items that make, you know, this philosophy work. So you're going to listen to more recruiting tips on the episode three of Making Sparks.